The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, I, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. I have to lay low for a while So I'll be staying here inside It's too dangerous out in the world I'll see you on the other side I'm in my quarantine In my little place too high My heart is aching and I'm missing you I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side We're all in for a bumpy ride You hear. I hold on to this phone so tight And I'll whisper you a goodnight kiss I'll see you on the other side When I crawl out of my cage When the world is purified I will find you and I promise this I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side on the other side and I'll meet you with arms open wide I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side and I'll meet you 
greet you with arms open wide See you on the other side place with magical charms indoors 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 take it away the Tom Summer program.com Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is a clinical social worker, teacher, and the author of numerous books on child mental health. She has a new book called Lila in the Land of the Littles. And uh, she's not making fun of my height there. Um, her name is Leslie Coplow. She joins me by phone from New York City. Good morning, Leslie, and uh, thanks for being here. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for having me. Um let's let's ask about um child mental health when how soon is it important to address mental health with children so mental health and development go hand in hand with children um it's not really a separate um thing for kids in order for kids to have their emotional well-being and to be doing well um, in mental health, they need to be supported in, in their general development and have a partner, an adult partner, in their developmental process. And that could be a, a parent, a guardian. Um, but what about other um, adults that, that come into to children's lives? How how should adults treat children? And I'm thinking back, you know, I'm I'm kind of old, <laughs> so I'm thinking back to the olden days when I, I actually heard people say that children should be uh, seen and not heard. Right. Yeah, that wasn't a good idea. Not so much. <laughs> not so much. I think everybody in a child's world contributes to their emotional well-being or um, perhaps affects it in not-so-good ways. Um, when kids are seen and not heard, so to speak, you run an enormous risk that they remain isolated with difficult emotional experience over time. And that builds risk as they get closer to adolescence for depression and or antisocial behavior. So as early as we can, invite kids to express all kinds of feelings because kids are like grown-ups. They have a range of emotion. It's not like happy is good and angry is bad. It's like they have a range of feelings just like we do. And the more they are able to share those and share them within supportive relationships, the better they are at making sense of their emotional world. I, I remember kind of a, a curious uh, behavior that my oldest daughter, and she's grown with kids of her own now, but when she first began to talk, I overheard her in her, literally in her crib, 
practicing talking before she would do it in front of other people. Oh, what did she say? It was just random words and things. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't remember anything specifically. I remember some of the funny words that, that she made up. She told me one time that uh, I, I had a car that had broken down, and she told me she thought I ought to take it to the chiropractor. <laughs> but... Um, that's good. I know. I love that one. Um, but uh, when you're writing books for kids, how do you entertain and shore up their emotional health and, and their mental well-being? Okay. So one of the things that I like to do when I'm writing for kids is to be a good mirror for their experiences, not to try to distract them from what they're seeing, hearing, and feeling, but sort of make a story that includes what they're seeing, hearing, and feeling. And I hear a lot of stories because I work with kids therapeutically. I also run a program um, that supports child emotional well-being in schools um, through Bank Street College. So I hear a lot of stories um, generally, but during the pandemic <clears throat> from children and parents and teachers. So I, I sort of took what I'm hearing and put it into <clears throat> two little kids who are friends and their families and sort of unfolded a story around that. What I know about kids is when you read something that speaks to their experience, they go into it. They're all eyes and ears. Their attention is right with you because you're not trying to compete with what's going on. You're trying to give it a voice. So things that would be uh, common to them. Yeah. Things that, you know, there's always things that we know are going to be um, going on for kids developmentally at certain ages and stages, right? If you write a book for two-year-olds, you want to have the word no and mine in there somewhere because that's what two-year-olds <laughs> are all about. <laughs> um, if you're writing for four-year-olds, something about friendship is always salient, um, et cetera. So you can do that all the way up. But also the pandemic has put us pretty much in a, a position of, not being able to do the things we used to do and not being able to see the people we used to see and living in a very small world. And that's true for children as well as adults. So Lila in the Land of the Littles is a story about a little girl who misses all of the things that she used to be able to do and is frustrated and sometimes lonely in the beginning of the story. Our, our Two-year-olds and, and, I don't know, maybe three- and four-year-olds, there's probably a big difference, but um, are, are they aware, like, say, a child that, that turned two during this last year under the pandemic, are they aware that this isn't normal? Uh, Two-year-olds, it would be questionable whether they yeah. were aware. A four-year-old is aware because they remember when they were three and they used to go to school every day and they used to not wear a mask and they used to be able to go to the library, and et cetera. And go see their grandparents. 
Oh, yeah, that is the biggest um, and hardest thing, I think, is needing to be apart from grandparents or if your grandparents live with you, needing to be so careful um, so that they can stay healthy. Now, in this this new book, Lila in the Land of the Littles, what what age is that geared for? I think it's the best for children four, five, six, seven, eight, probably four to eight. And primarily to read themselves or to have read to them. You can do either, but I think it's good to read to kids and also to if parents read a book like Lila to their children it invites a dialogue between parents and child about what's going on and that's always good always good for parents and kids to hold things together especially things that are complicated and make life difficult uh, aside from the things that we can't do together um well now let me let me approach this a little different um are kids naturally prone to share things or do they need to be encouraged or maybe that's different from child to child it's different from child to child and it's also different developmentally so two-year-olds are not about sharing that's not what they do (laughs) (laughs) they're they're about mine Right. They're not supposed to share. They're supposed to own. <laughs> That's part of their developmental process of sort of becoming autonomous people, um, something they go through. Um, five- and six-year-olds might be more inclined to share, but that has something to do with personality as well. You know, for parents who are finding themselves spending a lot more time with their kids now, um, and and I'm actually kind of squeezing this in parenthetically because I had a conversation with somebody recently we were talking about um, we were talking about education but we got off on a tangent about discipline and I'm wondering for parents especially new parents what are some good methods for teaching kids the right behaviors um without being too punitive or too incentive-driven? Probably natural consequences. Um, So, you know, if you eat too many cookies, your tummy might hurt. If you, Ah. um, you know, if you pour a giant thing of milk when someone tells you not to, the milk's going to spill all over. (laughs) It's like cause and effect. It isn't that grown-ups are trying to drive you crazy by making rules that make no sense. But generally speaking, the things we want kids to do and not do have some. So it's probably a good idea within reason to uh, let some mishaps occur? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it it doesn't matter if, I mean, because they're going to occur anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Might as well make it a teaching moment, right? Right. Exactly. Might as well make it a teaching moment. No sense crying over spilt milk. That's right. Those um, are just things that happen, you know, that's part of childhood, part of growing up. More with clinical social worker, teacher, and author Leslie Coplow straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. I know this is a really hard time for everyone. We're facing a killer virus, economic pain, and all the frustrations of being cooped up at home. Believe me, I have two teenagers to deal with. But the worst thing we can do is let up now, triggering a second coronavirus wave that causes more death and economic chaos. What you're doing is working. You're saving lives. So let's all hang in there and please stay home and stay safe. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. More with clinical social worker, teacher, and author Leslie Kaplow straight ahead. Um, now, you don't just write for children, but you write about children. Yes. Um, what are the kinds of, of things that, that you've learned that's important to share with people who's, who basically find themselves in charge of child care, whether it's parents or teachers or daycare workers or, or whoever it might be? I write a lot for child care um, workers and teachers because they are so important in the lives of the children they care for and really undervalued, um, typically, and in terms of, you know, things like paychecks, but also they're not really seen in a whole way, their contribution isn't seen. So if you're talking about teachers, what you hear a lot is about test scores. You don't hear about how foundational relationships are between teachers and children. So what research says is that first teachers, pre-K, kindergarten, etc., if there's a strong, warm relationship between teachers and children, those children do better all through the school years, academically, socially, and emotionally, because they're with that person every single day for hours a day. And that is an important thing to know, and it's important for teachers to know that they matter in that way. If, you know, if they're not yeah. connected to the kids, if they're not feeling warm, if they're not being... Um, aware of the value of their attachment it's a law so i write a lot about that now we're coming up on a uh, a year for a lot of people of basically being shut in um sheltering at home and and avoiding going out in public except for the most urgent of things groceries and pharmacy trips and doctor's appointments and so on um and for kids, there's been an awful lot of screen time. Yes. What do you have concerns about what's being called um, COVID slide with regard to to child development and education? I'm not as concerned about the sort of losing academic time because everybody is losing academic time and the sort of structure of schools is different in different places. It's not like if you don't learn to read when you're five, you'll never learn to read, right? In Finland, you learn when you're seven. So I'm not so concerned about that, but I am concerned about how the time away is used. And a lot of parents are in an untenable position of needing to work from home and supervise children's educational experience with the computer, and that's pretty much impossible to do. Um, so it's stressful and fraught, and it's not, it doesn't work for a lot of families. One of the things that I write about in the story of Lila in the Land of the Littles is 
making sure that this time that's really a time that hopefully we won't have again is has some upsides and maybe the upside of it is encouraging children to play to leave the screen and either go outside and play or make believe play at home because play is the way that children make sense of life experience the way that grown-ups talk to each other if things are going on in order to make sense of it children need to play about it and the world we created pre-covid wasn't so good at fostering play these days little kids were going to school and then chess classes and ballet classes and all kinds of things every minute of their day was taken up with something where the instruction was coming from the outside kids need to tune in to the inside and to make their own worlds in make-believe to integrate things that are going on. And one of the things we can do for them right now is to give them that space and time and encouragement. Yeah, I've actually heard that, that some young people are telling their parents that, you know, when things get back to normal, they, they don't want to be as overbooked as they have been. Which I think people have evolved into out of a sense of, of trying to provide enriching experiences, but it's, you know, maybe crossed a line. Yes, I think you're right. Is is that going to be present in, in what people are calling the new normal? Well, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. Or do you think um, people are, are just so anxious to get back to the way things were before that they'll just start doing the same things all over again? They might. And I think that there's going to be a feeling like kids need to make up for lost time. Um, and kids need to make up for lost time socially, and they will because most children are very socially motivated. So when they're able to, I think they will make up for lost time socially. But I hope that it, what ensues is not a huge amount of stress and pressure about um, academic achievement because what we know about stress and pressure is that it's antithetical to learning in the early years. That if you want kids to learn in the early years, you want to de-stress the environment so they can take things in as opposed to heighten stress in the environment, which makes it harder for kids to take in and remember new learning. You know, it's interesting when you talk about socialization because before the, the pandemic, before all of the shelter-at-home conditions uh, or shelter in place however you want to describe it some people go so far as to call it being a quarantine um, but before that there was a concern that kids were spending far too much time with screens you know walking around yeah. with mobile devices thumbs going like crazy eyes on the screen all the time and yeah. and and not just kids but adults too and yeah. now we've had this year of the screen 
<laughs> where that's how you talk to grandma and grandpa, that's how you go to school, that's, you know, how all of your contact with the outside world has been directed. Um, do you have concerns that that, that makes the, the screen time problem better or worse? Do you think people will say, boy, I'm so sick of a screen that, you know, I, I just want to go outside and people. play. Wouldn't that be nice? If they, well, you know, that's it. I, I'm on screen overload. You know, I want to go yeah. play by the creek. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping, but I don't know. Well, it's, so much of this is unprecedented that it's hard to know what will unfold, but I, I hope so. You know, one of the things that we've seen in the news a lot is is schools trying desperately to come up with some sort of hybrid or some some kind of uh, uh, infrastructure to bring kids back into the classroom. And there have been some starts and stops, and you know, it's 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 been tough. And even though there's a vaccine on the horizon um, for everyone, it it's still going to be a little while before we can really completely let go and call this thing over. Mm. Um, is is that start-stop thing problematic? Is it is it damaging in any way? It's difficult. And we, I'm in New York City, and school has been open in a hybrid model um, for a while, since October. Um, and there are a lot of stops and starts. And it's, it's definitely better than not having school. But what is important is that we acknowledge what's the same and what's different so the kids aren't alone to make sense of the stop and start. And we've helped children stay connected and Talk about what it's like to come and then not come, you know? um, right. because it's it's a big deal for kids. Kids love routine. They like stuff to happen in predictable ways. And unfortunately, when there's a positive finding of COVID, you don't have so much lead time, right? It could be you're in school one day and your parent gets a call. There's no, everyone in this class has to be remote for the next two weeks. So it it's the kind of thing that you need to be with kids in it, interpret it and talk about what it's like and, and that kind of thing. Um, it's, you know, this again, unprecedented. We work with a lot of teachers who were not at all focused on using technology with their kids and have become quite masterful at making something meaningful this way, but it depends on the age group. It doesn't make sense to insist that three-year-olds sit in front of a computer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no. um, the the new book is, is called Lila in the Land of the Littles, and that sounds like, like an adventure. Is it? And who are the littles? So uh, Lila, who's very bored and upset about, you know, I hate the coronavirus, Lila says to her mom. There's nothing to do. So her mom gives her something that her mom had given her to play with when she was a little girl. It's a cup full of buttons and a basket full of cloth. And Lila was like, what am I supposed to do with these? And her mom says, 
you'll see. And she has to go back to work on the phone. So Lila sort of stomps off with these things and figures out how to create a little world. Um, and the buttons become the littles, and the world she creates becomes the land of the littles. And, and it helps her to make sense of all the things that are going on to feel hopeful and to feel powerful. Is it even more important during these these times of um, being shut in to explore different worlds and and uh, and have adventures even if they have to be somewhat staged when adventures are in sort of coming from kids own imagination when they're inventing the adventure those are very um, important experiences especially in stressful times because it gives kids a sense of agency, like they're creating something that they need and that they can sort of be the one who makes the decisions of what happens in those make-believe worlds. And right now, no one feels too much. Um, <laughs> everyone feels like everything's out of their hands. You know, they just have to wait. Well, and, and and that's that's kind of interesting because, you know, I've talked to a number of uh, successful writers um, and, and said, you know, have you been really productive during this past year? Because since we're all shut in, you know, you might as well yeah. spend the time writing. And yeah. I'm surprised at the number of, of even, you know, New York Times bestsellers who said, you know, to be honest, I really kind of stood around like a deer in the headlights. You know, I wasn't as productive wow. as I might what? have been. And I think hmm. there's been this sense that a lot of people have, and it started from the very early messaging of the coronavirus when it first sort of arrived, mm-hmm. that it was going to be a fairly short time and we should just ride it out. Uh-huh. And so there was this sense that we're, you know, we're all kind of on standby. We just need to be patient. How important is it for mental health, not just in young people, but in some of us old codgers like me, um, how important is creativity at, at a time like this? Creativity is so important. Creativity is, can be like an antidepressant for people. And being creative in traumatic times and depressing times can really give people some emotional balance. Um, so, you know, anything that you do that involves arts and or writing or anything that works for you, anything that you make come to life can be very helpful to your emotional state at a time like this. Is there a direct correlation between uh, boredom and um, depression? A lot of people think that there is, but that it's sort of the opposite, that depression, that when, especially when kids are feeling depressed, how they identify it is bored as boredom. It's like hard for them to distinguish those two. Um, But I think adults, I have to think about that some more. (laughs) 
they're they're related, but I think sometimes they're related in the opposite way, like that boredom doesn't cause depression, but depression causes boredom. That makes sense. I, I inadvertently asked you a chicken and the egg question, didn't I? Yes, you did. Yes, chicken and the egg question. I, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot, Leslie, but um, I've I've been doing what I call boredom eating. Mm, yes. <laughs> put on a few COVID pounds during this last year. Um, what about that? What about physical exercise when when kids are you know, closed in a good deal of the time. Yeah. Also really important. Anything that's active um, is is helpful. The way it is for adults, it's the same in that way. I saw a great cartoon once. Uh, this was pre-COVID um, where there was a kid who was playing a video game all the time. And his mother said to him, why don't you go outside and play? And in the next frame, the kid is standing outside the house, leaning in a window, playing his video game. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I, it was just, you know, it was one of those images that caught you immediately as soon as you saw it. It, it was, well, yeah, there's a certain creativity there you, you have to love. But at the same time, it, it kind of defeated the purpose. What can parents do to... Um, direct physical activity that isn't chaos. Now, this February, we had snow almost every day, which is un unusual in the city. Yeah, New York but had a was, lot of snow this year. Yeah, I love snow, so for me it was great. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm in Michigan, and I can take it or leave it, but we didn't, we didn't have snow on the ground as much as we have had some winters. In the past, yeah. Well, anyway, one of the things I saw was families going to the parks with sleds. And oh, finally, nice. there was something you could do outside that was fun and that was COVID-friendly. And that was, <laughs> you know, it was just even, you know, even on school days, you would see kids and parents like, okay, forget the computer today. This is this never happens here. We're going, um, and it turned out to happen again and then again. But never can count on snow here. But that um, was really, you could see how how much people were desperate for some kind of joint experience that was okay for physical health as well as mental health, and that's been the great um, paradox of this time that physical connection and closeness is important for mental health. But in order to stay physically healthy, we've had to stay apart. So it's complete contradiction. What's been good for physical health has been bad for mental health. What's been you know, good for mental health is bad for physical health. And it's a dilemma. Well, trying to find ways out of it has been everybody's mission. Well, Leslie, it is a real delight to talk with you. Uh, unfortunately, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. Uh, but I always like to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out about about you, the new book, uh, Lila in the Land of the Littles by Leslie Coplow. Um, but where they can find out more about 
you this book and and your other work, past, present, and future? Do you have a website? Um, you can find Lila in the Land of the Littles on Amazon, and then there's an About the Author page that you can click on, okay. which will tell you about me and also my other books. And you can also go to Emotionally Responsive Practice at Bank Street College. Um, it's on the Bank Street College website, bankstreet.edu. And, and I forgot to mention that you were the, you're the director of that, the yes. uh, Emotionally Responsive Practice at uh, Bank Street College. Yes, and there are, if you click, there's like a list of things on the left of the page. It says COVID resources. If you're a parent or teacher and you click on those, there might be some things there that you find helpful. Well, Leslie, thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning. I appreciate it very much, and uh, be well. Thanks for having me. You as well. Take care. Again, that was uh, Leslie Kaplow. She is a clinical social worker teacher and the uh, author of a new book called Lila in the Land of the Littles. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. 
And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. 
If you start to have difficulty breathing, or if you're worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Now, I'm telling you right now that something's got to be done about the attitude of the grown-ups. I've been doing a lot of research, and I found out that the grown-ups, when I was a child, the grown-ups were trying to murder us and bump us off. No, I have proof. I have definite proof that the grown-ups were trying to get rid of us. For what reason, I'm not sure. Might have been the fact we had no babysitters. It's very expensive to watch us. I'll proceed to prove my point. First of all, we had a perfectly good playground. Perfectly good playground. It was a field leveled off. They, they tore down some houses, and we called it our playground. And, and it was broken glass and rocks and bricks and everything on it. We never lost one kid. Not one kid died or not one broken arm, one broken leg, broken anything. Maybe a little gash here and there. That's all right. And then the grown-ups started and they moved in the monkey bars. And the monkey bars came in. We lost 124 kids in one day. Hey, look at me. I'm on top of the weed. Oh, 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 oh. Kids were falling off the monkey bars like snowflakes, breaking arms, legs, losing everything, hanging upside down. I never played on them myself because I saw the kids falling off of them, and I tried to warn them, please don't play on the monk. Oh, 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 there goes another one. And I made it my philosophy after that never to play on nothing I never saw no grown-ups playing on. And I never saw any grown-ups climbing up on no monkey bars. They would build them, but they would never play on them. And I knew then that they were trying to kill us off. And a lot of kids lost arms, legs, everything. And I'll tell you something else. Then they found out that I wouldn't play on the monkey bars. And they, they built another thing which they thought they'd kill me on. It's a thing that you sit on. I tried it once. You sit on it and three of your friends push you around. You go around in a circle for five minutes and then, and then you throw up. <laughs> Not one kid asked for that. You ask any kid, go up and ask any kid. Kid, what would you like? He'll never say, I want something to go around a circle for five minutes and then puke. <laughs> You've never heard no kids ask for that. And I've never seen any grown-ups riding on it. Although some of them look like they've been riding on it. and out and out attempt to kill us. And the last thing that they put up is the seesaw. An out and out attempt to kill us, the seesaw. And that's where you gotta get, they, they try and get a kid in on the plot. And you sit up high and the kid jumps off and that's all for you. You land, your brains fall right out on the floor. There's a lot of kids never had a chance to have a deep voice because of that. Mic- 
Seesaw. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. My bags last night, three flights. Zero hour, nine a.m. And I'm gonna be high. Miss my wife. It's lonely out in space on such a timeless flight like. The touchdown brings me back around to find Not the man they think I am at all No, no, no I'm a rocket man Rocket man Burning out its fears out hell long Mars ain't the kind of place To raise your kids In fact It's cold as hell And there's no one there To raise them hmm, If you did All this science I don't understand <laughs> Just my job five days a week Rocket man <laughs> Rocket man Long, long time 
Touchdown brings me back around to find I'm not the man they think I am at all Nah, nah, nah I'm a rocket man Rocket man Burning out his fuse I held on And I think it's gonna be a long, long time And I think it's gonna be a long, long time Now here to reply is our chief meteorologist, uh, John Belushi, with a seasonal report Thank you, Jimmy Well, another winter is almost over, and March true to form has come in like a lion, and hopefully will go out like a lamb. At least that's how March works here in the United States. But did you know that March behaves differently in other countries? Norway, for example, March comes in like a polar bear and goes out like a walrus. (laughs) Or take the case of Honduras, where March comes in like a lamb and goes out like a salt marsh harvest mouse. (laughs) Now let's compare this to the Maldive Islands, where March comes in like a wildebeest and goes out like an ant. A tiny little ant about this big. (laughs) Or consider the Republic of South Africa, where March comes in like a lion and goes out like a different lion. Like one has a mane and one doesn't have a mane. Or in certain parts of South America, where March swims in like a sea island. Then it slithers out like a giant anaconda. There you can buy land real cheap, you know. And there's a country where March hops in like a kangaroo and stays a kangaroo for a while, and then it becomes a slightly smaller kangaroo. Then, then, then for a couple days, it's sort of a cross between a, a frilled lizard and a common house cat. Wait, 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 wait. Then it changes back into a smaller kangaroo, and then it goes out like a like a wild dingo. Now, now, and, and it's not Australia. Now, now, you'd think it would be Australia, but it's not. Now, look, pal! I know a country where March comes in like an emu and goes out like a taper, and they don't even know what it means. All right? Now, listen, there are nine different countries where March comes in like a frog and goes out like a golden retriever. That's not the weird part. No, no, the weird part is... Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say thanks to uh, all of my guests, including, uh, let's see, who all did we have? Jeez, what a great show. We had, um, we started out with Ellie Griffiths this morning, talking about her book, The The Postscript Murders. We talked with uh, astronomer Giles Sparrow, both from uh, the U.K., and uh, then wrapped up this uh, past hour with Leslie Toplow. Anyway, uh, like I said, that wraps it up for today. The Smoke and George sending me down the hall to the living room. The See you tomorrow. Good night, everybody. It's a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. 
This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.